Hello, Pastor Lisa Bates Froyland here from Redeemer Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Welcome to our fourth season of the Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives podcast, a more portable way to take in the weekly preaching and music here at Redeemer. This season, we weather the winter months together. Join us as we prepare for Christmas in December and get to know Jesus through scripture and song in January, February, March, and then head toward a crescendo in April with a retelling of Jesus's death and resurrection. Imagine that, a religion founded on the promise that new life can emerge from death. And lucky us here in Wisconsin, because nature will be showing us this truth at the very same time. And now, here's the sermon. So there's the sentence in the Nicene Creed. When I wrote that sentence of the gospel, I thought, (laughs) there's this sentence in the Nicene Creed. We're all going to say it together after the sermon. For us and for our salvation, Jesus came down from heaven and was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became truly human. So I want to reflect on truly human in light of the text that we just heard a moment ago. Truly human, we think of as, well, skin over bone, right? Um, A being who was eating and drinking and walking and talking, truly human. And more than that, emotion. We know Jesus was angry at times. We know Jesus cried. Truly human. But even more complex emotions and mindscapes than that. And I think that's what we see today in this reading. This group of verses, which is rarely read like this in worship settings, it's because of our particular pattern that we're following that we get these verses together in this way. Because what we see Jesus here doing in the beginning is being frustrated. He's really perturbed that he's been going into all of these little towns and villages, some of them Jewish, some of them Gentile, and he is healing people, and he is feeding people quite miraculously. He's doing these deeds of power in the name of God, and some are responding. Some are turning, repenting, turning toward God and a godly life and back into sometimes their traditions that they had in the first place. But he's frustrated because it's the Jewish, the Hebrew villages that are like, that's great, but I'm still going to be over here doing my thing. It's the Gentile villages that are actually doing some repenting. And so he gets angry with that. A deed that is required by Jesus He's just repeating what John the Baptist's message was as well. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Turn, change what you're doing, change your emphasis and your perspective, and live in the light of the gospel. Deeds of power that are being done are not meant to produce just awe and wonder. Wow, that's really cool! and not to change one's life. It's not meant to be really cool. It's meant to be the basis of repentance and following Jesus. 
So yes, Jesus is especially frustrated about which cities are repenting and which are staying the same. And so he makes this contrast between Tyre and Sidon, Gentile um, villages, and especially Sodom, known for its intense sinfulness that was destroyed many centuries earlier. He's praying over Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum. I was in Capernaum just a few weeks ago. Guess what? There's no living city there. <laughs> There's piles of rocks that are being dusted off to see what was once there. You know, each town or village develops its own collective reputation or ethos. What is Milwaukee's? It can be a lot of things, <laughs> actually. It's mixed, isn't it? It's a, it's a mixed bag. It's between uh, small town Milwaukee, small walkie, I hear that. Um, it's a place of desperate poverty in some places. Um, violence on our streets, either in vehicles or through gun violence. But that kind of collective ethos, could the whole city turn at once to a new way of being? Sometimes a city can nurture faith in whatever form you call it. Others can discourage it. So Jesus is frustrated. And I can connect with this form of frustration. And maybe you can too. My form of frustration that's kind of like this, on a smaller scale, of course, comes from times when I see the church really helping out an individual or a family, really stepping up and coming to the plate, um, working with families as they prepare for baptism, all of these types of things. So we have that moment of deep care and connection, and then I don't see them again. It happens over and over and over again. And if I'm going to be honest with you, I feel frustration when that happens. Now, pastors will say to one another, yes, but you planted a seed. You planted a seed with the way that your community cared for that person and came, came toward them. You never know what's going to happen throughout the rest of their life or who they will tell about the kindness they encountered. And all of that is very, very true. It is. It doesn't discount the fact that I do get frustrated. And uh, I was talking about this with Alex, our uh, communications specialist, and saying, you know that I have not hid that frustration from you. <laughs> I talk about it, I display it, I'm very human and, um, and, and very true about that when it happens. It doesn't stop me or stop this congregation from doing what it does, and it never will. But I think about the rest of you, too, and the vocations that you have, those of you who are teachers, who have really gone the extra mile for students, um, and then how does that turn out? Um, those of you who are in the health professions, the kind of caring that you give to people, and sometimes that comes back in your face with real nastiness. You have planted a, a seed, too. Family members, anybody who's part of a family, you know that sometimes your kindness and your care is not returned. So what do you do? What did Jesus do in this passage? Well, there's a reason why the rest of the title for today, Beyond Truly Human, is the God Sandwich. And that is that in the middle of this passage, there's Jesus invoking God. 
He's frustrated. Woe to you. You're going to be destroyed. You're not going to survive this. And then it's as if he takes a breath. And look at what the next words are. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. And that's the kind of pause that any of us can make in the midst of our frustration. To remember God, who is with you always, and to dig deep into the well of gratitude. I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, you have hidden some things from the wise and the intelligent. You reveal them to infants. It's acknowledging that God has a way that sometimes we cannot understand. Yes, Father, such is your gracious will. And then to note his role in all of this. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. God, you know me better than anybody else. That's what any of us can say to God in our prayer time as well. There is gratitude here. There's acknowledgement of who is in charge. And for him, this God, the middle of the sandwich, this God pause he takes, then shifts everything, apparently, because what's the very next thing that Jesus says? These probably are the most compassionate words in the entire scriptures. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. A minute ago, he was cursing these cities and wanting destruction to come upon them. And now he has shifted. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Warren Carter has written in a book called Matthew and the Margins that rest cannot happen when there is some kind of oppression or imperial domination going on, true rest. God's rest is the creation vision in Genesis, when God, after doing all of the creating, finally rests, and creation is in good relationship with God and with itself. God's transforming intervention can make such a world possible where rest is true rest. I know everybody's thinking about this balloon that got shot down, right? I am too, but it's not time yet to let go of the grief of Tyree Nichols' mom. So I'm still there, and I'm thinking about her. Ravon Wells is her name, and she fought back tears earlier this week as she spoke about her son, who was beaten to death by five officers in Memphis. During the funeral at Mississippi Boulevard Christian Church in Memphis, she said, the only thing that's keeping me going is that I truly believe my son was sent here on an assignment from God. And I guess now his assignment is done. She took the God pause. She looked in the middle of that sandwich of anger and grief, and she could have gone to vengeance, and she could have gone to shutting down. She went from paralysis and numbness through 
the temptation of vengeance to activism by pausing for God in between. I pray that she will see a day of true rest and that the whole country will as well when this looming threat of brutality is finally ended. And I am grateful for a God who became truly human, as human as I am, as Jesus of Nazareth, who even in his moments of frustration shows me a way out of negative headspace so that I can be freer in this world, freer. These words that Amanda Gorman, poet laureate, you know, she was the one who, who um, gave the poem at the, uh, at the inauguration of President Biden. So this is another poem. And in the middle of it, love is justified by loving. Is that gospel or what? It's not earned. It's not merited. Love is justified by loving. Like you, we are haunted and human. And you, like us, are haunted and healing. So you, all of you, haunted, human, healing, beloved. There are so much compassion in these words as well. Heavily burdened though we may be, we remember whose we are, and we turn toward the one who offers us rest. By taking on another kind of yoke, there's an irony in that, right? Choosing to learn from a gentle and humble teacher whose gospel message was also love is justified by loving. No matter what, and no matter what happens, so teach us, Lord, lead us, Jesus, guide us along the way. Amen.
When you're on the street, yeah. When evening falls so hard, I will comfort you. I will comfort you. When darkness there you have it, a sermon and a song. Hope you are inspired, fortified, challenged by these podcasts, and also willing to donate to support our ministry here in the heart of Milwaukee. Online, go to www.redeemermilwaukee.org. An old-fashioned paper check means no fees. The entire gift supports the ministry here. Send a check to Redeemer Church, 631 North 19th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53233. Our Fearless and Faithful Capital Campaign invites anyone to help us with financial contributions, big or small, to make our physical home at the corner of 19th Street and Wisconsin Avenue ready and able to worship, for education, and especially for outreach in decades to come. Information on Fearless and Faithful can be found at the website www. Dot RedeemerMilwaukee.org. Until next time, may our gracious God increase your hope, strengthen your faith, deepen your capacity for love, and grant you peace.